Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with Seymour Schmidt returning to the show to talk about Impossible off of the Bed, Bed, Bed book and CD. Here we go. Well, they said I was impossible Yes, they said I was impossible And that someone who behaved like me Couldn't be, couldn't be But I knew that I was possible Not completely unbelievable And the one they said could never be It was me, it was me But there's something else they didn't know You can change your shape and you can grow Out of nothing into something new Something made up into something true Though it happens quite impossibly The impossible turns out to be Possibly Hi, Seymour. Hello. Welcome back to the show. People that are Patreon supporters heard you not that long ago on the Art Part 4 episode. Um, but as far as, and you've been on some other Patreons as well, but your TMBG fandom story, I guess, would have been way back on the I Haven't Seen You in Forever episode, which was forever ago like two years ago something like that maybe i think so it's been a while it's been a while and you know i've always thought like well maybe i should catch up see if there's anything new in this person's team bg fandom story but since there's been like no shows or anything to speak of in the past two years there's really not a whole lot to add no there but you know what are you gonna do so if people want to hear Seymour's Phantom Story, go back to that one. I haven't seen you in forever, which was episode I don't even know. Uh, you know, you think I'd keep track of these things. I kind of do. I kind of do. Let me see. I haven't seen you in forever. Forever. Is it in the 90s or is it after 100? It was 110. 110. 110. Yeah. Um, it was not that long ago that I did my first Bed, Bed, Bed book episode on uh, Happy Doesn't Have to Have an Ending, 
with uh, Jennifer and Dominic teaming up uh, to do that one. Um, now, did you when when you were a wee one? Did you did you have bed 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 when you were a kid? I can't remember if we what we if your parents were they might be Giants fans or not. If you had had this as a kid, I can't remember. Um, no, I didn't know who they were until I got into them, mm-hmm. like four years ago. Right. Yeah, and I did, I didn't know who they were until I got into them four years ago. Anyways, that makes sense. I mean, I knew <laughs> I knew like Boss of Me and sure. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse because I I watched all those shows, but I just I just didn't know the band behind them. Right, and now I I would say you've always had a childlike sense of whimsy. Was it? it you seem to gravitate towards uh, the stuff geared for the kids. I mean, this is your technically your second episode about a uh, kids song. Was Bed, Bed, Bed something you got pretty early on in your fandom? I mean, I see the book right there behind you. Um, uh, I guess. I mean, I just listen to everything in chronological order. I mean, I do like studio albums first, and then I'll go back and then do like singles and EPs, Mm -hmm. like other various stuff. Is that something you do with any new artist you get into? You you insist on going chronologically? Yes, unless <laughs> I could, sometimes I'll like buy random CDs from Goodwill and stuff to get into, yeah <laughs> get into like new things. So with like some bands, that's how I'm introduced to them. But like most of the time, whenever I'm just listening to stuff online i'll just go in chronological order yeah that's uh this is where i make that old man statement about how it was a lot harder to do that back in my day you'd have to buy all of them to listen to them in chronological order but i i do like that you're uh an appreciator of physical media and you could probably find a lot of good shit at goodwills these days because just nobody keeps cds anymore except you know dorks like us i mean most of the stuff i goodwill is just like christmas music <laughs> that is how the vinyl tends to be too it's like you and know, like tw- 12 barber strides and christmas elms whenever i look at like the very small tape section it's just like all christmas music yeah or like some religious stuff and that's it right like sermons on tape yeah no, thank you. But whenever, when I was a kid, um, for like Christmas and for my birthday, I would ask for a band's old disc- discography on CD. Nah. <laughs> That'd be kind of expensive for a band like they might be Giants. Yeah. But I was listening to like, um, young, not younger, but not, not as old bands. Mostly oh, more current than they might be giants. Yeah, more yeah. mostly bands that have like five albums, and that's it. Right, five. Yeah, uh, they got a few more than that. Um, I mean, wait, did Bed 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 come out before you were even born? 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 No. Oh, not quite. No. What I year were you three, born? Okay. I was born in two thousand. 
Oh my dear lord. Uh yeah. <laughs> this is this is something that uh we got for Zinnia when she was pretty young. I would say though when she was littler though the uh the illustrations kind of scared her <laughs> a little bit. They're kind of yeah. bizarre, right? Yeah, that's what I thought whenever I first bought it. I thought like maybe this would probably scare me as a kid. If I yeah. had it. Yeah, it's very surreal and uh I don't know. I mean, it's childlike, but it's not like all like floofy and and it's hard to describe, but the 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 artist uh, Marcel Zama, which I think I may have mentioned this on the episode with uh, Jen and Dominic, was the artist that did uh, the cover for one of my favorite albums, Reconstruction Site by The Weaker Thans. So when I saw this, I was like, "This looks really familiar," and it ended up being the same guy. But yeah, as far as a kids' book goes, I I mean. It's it's not normal for a kids book, but I'd say as far as a they might be giants kids book goes, yeah. it it fits. It seems um seems old in terms of the style. Right, kind of old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah she's something like this from like the eighteen eighties or something. Yeah. Oh wait, what is it? Marcel Zama has a page on the wiki. It says, as, as well as Bed, 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 in 2007 created artwork in the form of photographs for the bands, uh, for for the Else. I didn't realize that. Okay. So it did photographs for the Else as well. All the, like, weird... You know, that makes sense now when you think about the creatures on the front, or the birds or whatever. I mean, are those birds on the front of the Else? They're birds, right? Some sort of weird... Yeah, beak having yeah, creature. Uh, I can't remember. They're either snowmen or they're birds. Can't they be both? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I I can't remember because I always thought it was like one or the other, and I don't know. Okay. It'll say it somewhere. Yeah, because because then there are all those other pictures for I mean for people who are just seeing the cover on streaming that that's all they get is that one the two creatures with the uh with the suitcase um but there's also pictures like on the back there's bears uh these bear humanoid bear creatures at a door and there's like a little band rehearsal with a weird like flannel faced guitarist person and then the bird again in like a tree and now i don't know why i never put these two together but these creatures definitely do they they definitely are of the style of the creatures in the bed, bed, bed book. I don't know why I never put that together, that they were uh, the brainchild of the same person. I love the artwork on the else. I love that. That's one of my... Well, I also love the album, so it's all, all around good shit. Uh, now, Impossible... Starts off the CD. I hear you flipping through the book. Yeah. Right there. Looking at the pictures. Yeah. What um what what are your favorite uh, uh bits of the the book in there in in this song? I like the image of this thing. I don't know what this is. Hold that what? up for me. This thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we're caterpillarish creature. It has like um wheels at the end of its <laughs> wheels. And it's big enough for that guy to ride on it. And he's got like a cup of tea there too, right? No, he has glasses. Oh, okay. He's and he was holding something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and very, I like, very weird creative creatures in this thing. I like the um the like little bunny creature that has a stop sign. Oh yeah, yeah. Right next to it. <laughs> now before we get into you know actually dissecting this song, what what do we think of well Flansburg said on uh an interview on Fresh Air that this song is kind of our low rent version of free to be you and me which they have covered as well but i do think we should because i mean who knows if i if i pass on before this podcast is completed we probably should bring it up here i mean hell it's probably going to be years until i would get to anyone who yeah. want to talk about their cover of free to be you and me uh so we, i think we should bring it up here uh it's it's a song by the new seekers who i could not name another song of um, from a TV special, 1974, free to be, dot, 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 you and me. What did you think about that comparison that Flans made himself? Um, I kind of get where he's going with it, but I feel like the songs themselves are quite different. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have a similar message of it being like you being your own person, even if others disagree. Although, right. um, in Free to Be You and Me, there isn't much of a disagreement. But I feel like when they're talking about the the land of where they can be free uh-huh. themselves, I feel like it's, that place is a different place than where they actually are. So the place that they're currently in, they aren't free to be themselves. So I feel like it's similar to with Impossible, how like... People are telling the narrator that they can't be this specific thing that is impossible. And that they need to find their own, find a place where they can be themselves. Yeah. Did you, like did you watch the special? I did not watch the special. Did you watch the whole thing? The hour <laughs> special? I watched it. <laughs> uh, I How was it? it? At first, it felt really cheesy. But then when you get later into it is pretty good my favorite part was the part where the guy was talking about 
crossing the street for the first time when he was five. Hmm. It, it was it's very interesting, and I really like uh, some of those songs in it. Like yeah, um, they weren't all by that band, were they? No, they're all different yeah. people. Yeah, I really like the one about um the one about crying and the one about that kid's doll. I forgot what his name was, but I really like those parts. And some of the um animated parts were pretty good. Yeah, so I'm, I think I'm flipping I think through it's a worth little watching. bit. Yeah, the the style is cool. Marlo Thomas and Friends. I don't know Marlo Thomas. Margaret Julia Thomas. Marlo is still alive, age eighty-four. Yeah. So apparently there was her children's franchise series. Okay. She must have been a series of these, but that uh Yeah, I mean it seems pretty cute. I don't know. I mean, is it something that you think would Z- that Zinnia would like? Um Maybe <laughs> Maybe, like, I don't know. I feel like some parts she wouldn't get it at her age, but... Okay. Uh, she, might, she might like the animated parts, some of them. Sure. So it's maybe she a might, little bit more for older kids. Yeah, she might like the songs, too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's crazy. People got everything on YouTube. It's uh, yeah. bonkers putting that up there. There might be a lot of Sesame Street, but... I don't know. I feel like a lot of kids' stuff at that time were kind of similar. Yeah. I mean, Sesame Street started in the late 60s, right? So, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was definitely like paving new ground for children's entertainment. So, I bet a lot of stuff around that era was kind of, you know, piggybacking on there or kind of ripping it off a little bit, ripping off that yeah. style. I love looking at old Sesame Street stuff. Like I, I for some reason one day went down a Sesame Street wiki rabbit hole and was like, "Oscar used to be orange. What the <laughs> hell?" <laughs> and and Big Bird, um, Big Bird looked kind of scary at first, like very kind of uh, more scraggly, I guess. You know, he's all nice and puffy now. He was kind of terrifying in his early days, but. Orange Oscar, that just doesn't make sense. You know, got to be green. If you're going to be gross, you got to be a, a scummy green. Yeah. Both, both, both start with GR. Gross and green and grimy and all those other words Oscar uses. Oscar is, I mean, Oscar is like the best Sesame Street character. You know, I mean, I love that he could just be so cranky and all the other characters are like, Oh, you, (laughs) Oh, Oscar here, have my garbage (laughs) in the song. We literally get to this, this octofish thing. And it it seems to be, um, agreed upon that the Johns were stealing that, uh, character, or at least that, uh, that made up word, from the Captain Beefheart song, Neon Meat Dream of <laughs> Octafish, off of Trout Mask Replica, uh, 1969 album that I do not like. Um, I just cannot get behind this thing. I'm, I'll play this for the people. I will subject you to it. You've been warned. Mr. 
Insert tentacles, test, and sleeve, and join, and jointed jade pointed diamond back patterns. Neon meat dream of a octafish. Artifact on rose petals, in flesh petals, in pots. Fact in feast, in tubes, tubs, bulbs, ingest, incest, ingest, ingest, in feast, incest. In specks, in speckled, speckled, speckled speculation. Bedlocks, waddling feast. Arcade faces frenzy. Ceramic fists, artificial decease. In cis, rancid buds burst. Dank drum and dung dust. Meat rose and hairs. Meaty, meat rose and hairs. Meaty, dream, wet meat, limp, damp rose, peeled in felt, fields in belts, impaled on in daemon, mucus mules, clot, trot. What, what are your thoughts on uh, Captain Beefheart? Um, I don't listen to Captain Beefheart. No, as, as, as you shouldn't. I didn't know about Captain Beefheart until I got into They Might Be Giants. Yeah, they're one of those that seems like people think it's like a rite of passage that you have to like endure Captain Beefheart. Like it just, you know, I love a lot of weird shit, but this really, it does just seem like weird for the sake of weird or just like, you know, just uh, just too many drugs. I don't know. It's just too, it's, it's, I love bizarre, but it's unlistenably bizarre. Oh, is it actually that bad? It's horrible. <laughs> that, that one song I listened to um, was okay. The neon meat dream of an octofish? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The yelping and the... what? I don't know. I just can't do it. I, I, I did listen to this song just, you know, for the sake of due diligence for this show. But uh, I have tried to listen to that entire album. I've tried more than once. I've given mm. it more than one shake, and I just cannot do it. Yeah. Maybe I should listen to it. Give it a shot, you know? Yeah. I mean, you like Ween, so. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think in one interview I listened to, Ween said they didn't care for Captain Beefheart. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting it mixed up with when they say that they don't care for Frank Zappa. Because hmm. uh, they, I know they get asked if they liked Frank Zappa like a few times. That makes sense. They, I can get behind some Frank Zappa. You like? Do you like Zappa? I don't listen to him. No, no. It's just. I mean, there is a lot of weird for the sake of weird there too. But he's. I mean, he was just, I mean, extremely musical. Like, the stuff going on there does not seem like just random noises or whatever. Like, there are songs there. There's just some that are more bizarre than others. I I, I like the other, the early, like, really more psychedelic weird stuff is probably my favorite. You know, he got uh, maybe a little further away from what I I like, uh, you know, as his career went on. But, um the album Freak Out is really good. I would highly recommend starting with that one. And it, it, I think it is the first one if you're going chronological, as is your want. Who are the brain? 
I just think of um, Zappa as the guy that's friends with the monkeys. He was in one monkeys episode. Oh, was he? <laughs> he was in the movie too. Nice. At the beginning of the episode that we he was in, um, he was dressed as Nesmith, and Nesmith was dressed as him. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the facial hair and all that, you know, it's yeah. what I got going on is not too far off from Zappa. I just don't have like you know the Fu Manchu coming down the sides, but you know. I can get behind Zaf. He seemed pretty cool. Should we delve more into the music or the lyrics of this thing first? Whichever. Musically, I think there's a lot of really cool synth sounds going on Yeah. in this one. I mean, the echoing synth is so... I mean, like... It's something I don't feel, I don't feel like they've used in any other song. It's just very. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't think Linnell's used that in any other song. It's very unique sound for him when he was already kind of coming off of like the synth weirdness and doing just more. I feel like his his keyboard sounds have become a little more toned down in recent years, but. This one, very, very cool tone. Yeah, um, I was talking to Kate about this, and they said that it reminded them of Wonderful Christmas Time. It's just the beginning part. Yeah, that echoing, fading away kind of thing. Yeah, it's a slower echo, but I could definitely see that. That's a yeah. Kate's dead on with that. That's a good yeah comparison right there. Definitely. Uh, and obviously, I love that it's covered in bass and Barry saxophones, like the honking, and it's Linnell. You know, he didn't bring in. Like, yeah. you know, you know, Stan Harrison is amazing, but this, like, the, what's perfect in this one is just, you know, Linnell's just, his honk. I mean, there's no other way to describe it other than honking. <laughs> so good. Do you know what that, um, that low constant sound that's in the background? Um... Blaine's plays it on the guitar in the live versions. Hmm. I wonder if it's like... I, I like assume it's the keyboard or something. Yeah. Now, are we talking about the... Or the do-do-do? Do-do-do? Which part are we talking about? It's like, um... I don't know. I guess the second thing that you said. The do-do-do? Yeah, that thing. I think it's just a synth bass 
And I mean, yeah, if, the, if the wiki is to be believed as well, it doesn't have anything listed for bass or guitar. Yeah, um, I, thought, I thought it was a uh, bass at first. Yeah, I mean, it's not too weird sounding of a synth bass, but it's, it's uh-huh. definitely doesn't feel like an actual electric bass. But yeah, yeah, Mr. Miller, Mr. Weinkoff do not get on this track. And they're not fun- on the EP at all. Oh, at all? Damn. No. Got get cut out of the royalties on that bad boy. I don't think these guys get royalties for anything. I think the backup guys just get paid uh, per project. I think is is the the gist that I'm getting from it at this point. Um, well, Mr. Marty Beller's on there. Um, yeah. yeah, I think this is the first release that he's on. Yeah, I think you're right because he was not on no. And then this mm-hmm. came, and then 2002, and this came out in 2003. Yeah, he, yeah, he just barely squeezed onto this thing. Yeah, I don't know. I think I was kind of seeing the 2004. The spine is the first thing he's on, but yeah, he snuck in onto this one. Yeah, I mean, Flans is even barely on the track. Like you know, he's. I guess you'd call it the bridge vocal but it's just that little thing i mean it's like three i don't know two and a half three minutes into the song he just says that little thing i mean robin gets a lot more uh screen time than him on this one the octofish verse and i love the the like underwater vocal effect they've got on her voice very cool and buzzy Yes, I'd like to be an octofish. That's the thing that I would like to be. Octofoo, I love shit like that. Like, that's the kind of shit that I will fool around endlessly on with my own songs and then chicken out and not keep it on by the final version. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, that is a bit... I don't know. I don't want to say it's corny, but it's like too on the nose for them, in my opinion. To to make it sound like it's underwater. Yeah. But it's a kids' project, though. I mean, <laughs> can you really be too on the nose for a kid? I mean, you kind of got to be on the nose for them. They love that. They love yeah, that stuff. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of cool keyboard sounds, a lot of cool sax. Really a, a Linnell feature for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm re- you know, this, this is your second Linnell song you've been doing. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I was thinking nice. about that. Yeah. I've only picked Linnell songs so far, despite not being much of a Linnell fan. Not much of a Linnell fan. No. Apparently you are. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I'm just picking his best songs. That's it. Yeah, these these are the two. You know, when you go to the wiki and you look at the song rankings, you see I haven't seen you in forever and number one, impossible at number two, and then and then you get Birdhouse. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm looking at the chord progression in this thing, and it is bonkers. I mean, there's a million chords in this thing. And all different, yeah, version diminished sevenths and minor sixths and all this stuff. I mean, C, D minor, F. Yeah, I don't know what key this is in. 
I don't know what any of this means. A sharp minor. I don't know what any of the shit is, and I'm fucking scared. <laughs> I don't know what any of these chords mean, and I'm fucking scared. I don't know what some of this means, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, not, yeah, this not all of it. It's definitely a keyboardist song. Maybe it's one where like Linnell brought it in, and Flames was like, well, "Let's put a little guitar over this." Wait, what's the chord progression? Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> Walks away. You can handle that one yourself. Yeah, it is nuts. A minor, A, E, five, D, D minor to D. Just all these like major minor switches. These A's and A sharps. It, it's just wacky. But it doesn't sound like mm. bizarre. I mean, it it doesn't sound like like Captain Beefheart trying too hard. I mean, right? if you if you put headphones in, then you'll hear like all the weird stuff going on. Because I didn't notice most of that until I, I used headphones. Because I I don't hear any of that from like my computer speakers or my car right. speakers. Yeah, it is a good headphone song for sure. I was listening to it on it on headphones this morning and yeah you do hear a little bit more i mean especially when you get more of that that bass tone that you were you were talking about before in there the bass synth or whatever it might be you know kind of walking down some of the chords i mean that's part of what makes some of these chords so weird is where the where the low note ends up but Mm. it's weird but it's not obnoxious it's not grating like it still sounds I mean, I, this song sounds pretty, I think. Yeah. I think the whole thing definitely captures that kind of underwater feeling. It's very, you know, ethereal, right? Yeah, I guess. You guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I it think- still has like, you know, a lightly driving kind of rhythm section. Like the drumming is not aggressive. Um, you know, it's that kind of. It's that pitter-patter of the waves, right? Mm. You're like, no, two on the nose. <laughs> well, just the just the uh, vocal effect on Robin's voice that felt two on the nose. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you on that, but I understand. I understand what you mean. Mm. Um. <laughs> I think I should um, listen to more of their music with headphones in. Definitely. I remember, I don't know, this sticks out to me in particular, listening on headphones the first time to uh, Nanobots, is it the, the title track. The way the guitars play off each other on that one, like, just totally opened up that song to, like, a whole new level of awesomeness for me. Though, that is one of just a million, uh, you know, examples of that in their discography. But, like, just getting like the full panning from ear to ear really opens up a lot of their their mixes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember like listening to Join Us for the first time with headphones in. And I was like, holy shit, this is so good. Yeah, there's a lot of pretty stuff in there. Like the yeah, I mean, right off the bat with the can't keep Johnny down keyboard line coming in the just like so twinkly all around you. Definitely a headphones band. 
I would say. I mean, even more so in the modern era, like even more so than, you know, the major label stuff. I think their newer stuff, honestly, is, I mean, better produced. And that's, I mean, that's just because of modern techniques and stuff like that. I think they do a lot more interesting stuff these days um, with, you know, using the, using the studio, using the studio as an instrument. <laughs> Not that they haven't always done awesome things. And that's something that's so cool about them having been around for so long. Like they've never gotten stuck in like old technology. They've always moved yeah. ahead into what was what was new. I was trying to find the newest thing, and you know, for being too, you know, get you know, getting older. You know, I wouldn't say elderly gentlemen, but getting getting you know up there in their years. They still are, uh, you know, experimenting with all the new gadgets that uh, recording comes with these days. And yeah. as a producer, I appreciate that. That's why keep, I like keeping it fresh. That's why I like listening to bands in chronological order to hear like how their sound progresses over the years. Yeah, I feel like um, skipping around doesn't help with that. Yeah, with them, Abby Giants, it can be especially a bumpy ride. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I mean, they were so firmly rooted in the technology of each era that they were in. I mean, they always progressed with it. But, yeah, going from something like Impossible to something like Can't Keep Johnny Down to something like Don't Let's Start, I mean, it's just, like, wildly different production. Um, but somehow seems like the same band. Yeah. How do they do it? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. Okay, so the lyrics to this tune here. Uh, do, do you want to take a crack at those first? What are your thoughts on this? I'm assuming maybe... Was it more lyrical or musical reasons that you picked this this song way back in the um, day? I think lyrical, probably. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um... Well, I think um, the song is just about change. Mm -hmm. Since we're children, it makes me think that it might be about puberty in a way. Oh. Since the one major physical change that kids go through. Hmm. And it reminds me of the um, song Long White Beard, because it's like the changes in them are quite fantastical and aren't really based in reality. Mm -hmm. A beautiful sleep And I had Some beautiful dreams My family was there And we laughed and we laughed The alarm clock rang And I gasped I woke up with a long white beard A long white beard A long white beard Like long white beard she's more um excited about it like she's telling it as a story and that's rob yeah that's robin again right yeah mm -hmm. off of why although with impossible it seems like um i don't know they're they're different in a way but i can't describe it 
like I feel like the tone of the narrators are quite different. Yeah. But the subject matter is so similar. Definitely. Yeah, and yeah, there's I mean there's a lot about change in this song as well. I think it's something that, you know, people of all different you know, the all the outcasts, all the you know, the weirdos that love being weird, it can take something from this song. Like anyone who's felt like you know, people judge them for the way they looked or, you know, the things that they liked, you know, people said that's not, you know, the way you're supposed to be, you know, those of us just that like weird shit like they might be giants, uh, even, you know, and got called, you know, dorks for liking shit like they might be giants. I think this song can speak to, to those people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my other interpretation, which I went over in the, um, trans episode that was in let me read it read um, it uh i think it was like three years ago i started making a list of their songs that could have a trans interpretation to them mm-hmm. and, like, impossible was one of the first ones i thought of it just came to me randomly when i was listening to it in the car but it was it was like um okay so it's about like the trans experience as seeming like you're not something that can happen like with transitioning whether it be through surgery hormones socially or something else but being trans is something that is possible and not something that's just a far idea that no one would think to touch one lyric that fits into this is um Yes, they say it is impossible. It's a thing that I can never be. Being that mm-hmm. it's about how cis people say that the idea of a trans person or the idea of changing your sex is something that should never ex- exist and can't exist. They can't understand why someone would want to do something like that because there's this this idea that you must live with what you're born with and there's... Mm-hmm that you could hate it there's also a lyric um you can change your shape and you can grow out of nothing into something new something made up into something true as being about transitioning especially in the physical way and the part where um flansburg says or just want to be more like you are can play into the need of becoming the you that you need to be and being the really yeah yeah want to be more like you are yeah and that uh something made up into something true yeah and someone brings that up on the interpretations tab on this one as well the yeah the the titling on there i am trans and this song makes me cry (laughs) i think um i think that because i saw that like a few years ago and i saw that was added after our trans episode after it's uploaded so i don't are you taking credit for this (laughs) but i feel like it was my influence i didn't but i feel like they're influenced by me 
but maybe maybe they weren't. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great take on the song. It definitely. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense with uh, all this. I love that interpretation. It's uh, probably my favorite. There's also um, one other lyric that I didn't notice until today. You might be one kind of fish today, but tomorrow everything could change. You can turn into an octoflange. It's like, <laughs> it's like fish in terms of gender. <laughs> <laughs> aren't, aren't there some kind of fish that that change that change sex maybe is that, isn't that i, I feel, feel like that's the thing yeah i feel like some frogs that do that maybe yeah maybe it's frogs i'm thinking of i don't know i don't know animals that's not my expertise <laughs> <laughs> I decided to just Google Octoflange to see what came up, and Fender has a uh, a, a preset on some plugin or something. So apparently there is a an effect you can put on your shit that's 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 an Octoflange. <laughs> Man, I want to know what that sounds like. There's lots of uh, yeah, the Octofish, Octofu, Octofi, Octoflange. Uh, Linnell really got he got stuck on that for this song. <laughs> it's very playful though, like the the wordplay definitely uh, speaks to the kids. I mean, yeah, one of Zinnia's favorite things is just making up, just like speaking gibberish, like pure gibberish. And yeah, yeah there's a couple spots in this song where <laughs> kind of get a little gibberishy, octafu, octafi. It's just fun. And it sounds so good in Robin's voice too, despite what we may disagree on on the uh, the vocal effect. <laughs> I mean, I, I still love Robin in the song. Yeah, I also love in the Flans part. If you wish you had violet hair, I mean, we're going purple here. You know, purple hair. I've had purple hair. I've Have had... you had purple hair? Yeah, yeah. the last yeah. time. The last time I was on, I dyed my hair. Half of it was purple. Yeah. Oh, oh it just looked black in the camera. Mm, okay, maybe that's it, I didn't remember. It, it was dark purple. Yeah. I didn't like it when it faded out, though. I mean, that's what I have right now. It's like this very gross blonde. It looks disgusting. Yeah. A lot. So, wait, did you bleach it before you did the purple? Um, I bleached it many, many months ago because I did red at first. And then I was like, oh, I don't have any red left. Let's see what I can put over it. So I did um, magenta and purple. So bleach, <laughs> then red, then magenta, then purple. <laughs> I, yeah. The first time I dyed my hair, I did like only half of it orange. And then I left the rest to just the bleach. And yeah. I wanted to like split dye again. Yeah. So. It's uh it's a good look. It's not something I could do at my job, I don't think, but uh You I can't could... do they not allow it? Well, I don't know. I mean there are some teachers with, with dyed hair. They're like our orchestra director. She has two little two little two little things of blue. 
just yeah. right on like the ends of her bangs, I guess you'd say. Um, I don't, I don't even know, but I feel like if you had something where it's like half your head was dyed one color and half was the other color, they might be like, "That's too distracting for the children." I don't know. There was um a teacher in my high school that had a lot of different colors, but that's high school, not middle school. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That that might make a difference. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know yeah. in middle school. We couldn't, the uh, kids couldn't dye their hair unless it was like a natural color. But in high right. school, anything. But anything I, goes. I, I felt like some of the restrictions were stupid. Yeah, a lot of them seem pretty uh, random. Yeah. Yeah, I had some insane hair in high school, that's for sure. Um, so you found us three live versions. You did. I must say, yes, on air that, that Seymour did like all of the work for this one and saved my tired ass, uh, on, on this episode. Um, so yeah, they only played this song nine, nine times and and three of them promoting the book. Poor Impossible. They also, um, I think they only played Idlewild when they were promoting the book, too. Yeah, that sounds right. And they never played Happy Doesn't Have have to Have an Ending. Criminal. Criminal. Alright, so the... Now is this? Let's see. Which one are you choosing? 14th well this is oh no this is not the first time they played it um the very first place they played it was called a clean well-lighted place for books that's the <laughs> name of a bookstore apparently that's great that's fantastic okay no we'll go on uh you got them chronological here this is november 14th what are you british putting 14 the, <laughs> the date first november 14th 2003 i started like many Many years ago, when I was a kid, and I was just stuck. Like I started, I started writing some other words, like the British way. I don't know. There was something wrong with me. Like sticking like U's into words that don't need a U. I mean, I don't do that with color, but I do that with like humor. Interesting. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I don't know. I think with some other spellings, I also do that. But I don't remember what they are. I just feel like, um, I don't know. It just looks better with the with the number first, with if the date. Of- so <laughs> okay, F- the fourteenth of November, two thousand three, at Ye Old Borders Books <laughs> in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to it. Uh-huh. Well, they said I was impossible Yes, they said I was impossible And that someone who behaved like me Couldn't be, couldn't be But I knew that I was possible Not completely unbelievable And the one they said 
could never be It was me, it was me But there's something else they didn't know You can change your shape and you can grow Out of nothing into something new Something made up into something true Though it happens quite impossibly The impossible turns out to be possibly now, Marty's not on this one Is he? That's definitely a drum machine He says Blaine says there's a at the beginning of it, he says there's real drums and drum machine. Real drums and drum machine. I'd have yeah. to, you'd have to look at the other videos, because the person filming is very far away, so I can't tell if Marty's actually there. Right, if he's hidden, you know, behind yeah. the heads, everyone's heads. I don't know, I, I didn't look at the other ones. I love that Linnell does some kind of, you know, uh, voice modulation kind of stuff uh, in there. Is that during the, the Robin part? Yeah, he kind of does his own, you know, th those, those Linnell weird voices that we all love. He kind of creeps in and out of them throughout the song. I love that. And also, yeah, like you mentioned, so Flames is kind of doing that yeah. little bassy rhythm part on the guitar. And then we've got accordion instead of keyboard so it's quite a bit different from uh the elm version though there is i mean there is a backing track in there because you still get that sound and all that stuff does the does the backing track sound different to you different than like what the instruments sound on the on the on the cd um i don't know if it's hard to tell the camera quality and the distance away yeah like i just heard the saxophones come in and they don't sound like real saxophones to me on this one um but yeah the you know 2003 camera quality who knows hard to say i was writing my notes down while watching it and i wrote down did they add guitar question mark and then like a few seconds later i saw flans playing it so I wrote down, yes, stupid. Lance is playing it. <laughs> I don't think the camera was on him when the guitar part started. So yeah, I, I was focusing on Linnell for a lot of the part where he's singing. Yeah. And then I also, at the beginning, I wrote down drums, question mark. And then after yeah. it, I went back a little bit to see what the intro was. And Flan said both drum machine and real drums. Okay. I guess Marty is hidden somewhere. Also, right there. whenever I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, what was the live show where John Linnell said, white person mall? And it was this one. White person mall? <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's after they play the song. They were, like, talking about how they couldn't remember the name of this mall. And it was, like, white-something mall. And then Linnell said white-person mall. <laughs> I mean, there, there was, like, other funny stuff afterwards. 
Yeah, it's it's funny hearing their their banter, how different their banter is for the well, from the kids shows and yeah. the adult shows. Though the sense of humor definitely overlaps. You've got written down some lyrical variations, and it's all on the Flans part, right? Yeah, I have like other stuff written down here at first, but then I uh, got rid of it because I didn't want you to see it. <laughs> but um, so with each live show, Flans keeps changing his verse, which I I feel like part of it is just him not remembering. That's what I was going to ask you. He's just f- fucking it up. Yeah. Even though he only has like four lines. <laughs> I'm forgetting things. But anyways. Um, he just popped which, in for like five minutes in the studio when they recorded this song. It, it <laughs> is the, um, like the meaning of the song. Because I feel like him changing, like in this one. At the last two lyrics, he says, if you want to run as fast as a car or be something else than you are, I feel like Mm. Instead of just want to be more like you are, be something else than you are. The meaning a lot. And I feel like it keeps the message of the song, it keeps it from being grounded in reality in a way. So I Mm. feel like last lyric in the actual song makes it sound more you know realistic yeah this one is like um just being something completely different something that isn't quite real like all the other examples in the other in the song like those real octave fish yeah <laughs> All right, let's listen to the next one then where he changes it into a, a, a tiny bit again. Mm-hmm. So, tiny bit. So, November 18th or 18th November 2003. So, just four days later. Uh, and this is now at the Virgin Megastore in New York, New York. Let's listen to this one. Well, I'd like to be an octopus. Yes, I'd like to be an octopus. That's the thing that I would like to be, octopus, octopus. But they tell me it's impossible. Yes, they say it is impossible. It's the thing that I can never be, never be, never be. But there's something else they wouldn't say You might be one kind of fish today But tomorrow everything could change You could turn into an octoplane Though it happens quite impossibly The impossible turns out to be possibly Oh, 
If you wish you had violet hair That rolls out your room down the stair If you want to run as fast as a car Or be something more than you are Though it happens quite impossibly Be impossible to tell to be possibly Now this one most definitely has Marty Yes Because we can see Marty back there I, I felt like the drums sounded different in this one. Yeah, I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any uh, programmed drums in this one. That sounds like all Marty. Yeah, it definitely propels it harder. Like when he goes from... You know, he's real, just kind of riding the hi-hat most of the, most of the beginning. And then... Oh, is he playing on like that... Yeah, he's got like that conga to the side, like he had on the. Have you seen the the studio extras for the the Here Come the ABCs ones, where they're like in that wood paneled yes. studio? Yeah, like the robot parade one. He's got like that conga drum next to his kit, which I mean normally is a hand drum, and he just beats the shit out of the rims on it during that one part of robot parade. And he's doing that in this song too. I love that. I think it sounds great. Would you like it better with the program drums? I mean, I I don't really care. Either way is fine. Don't really care about like, Mr. Um, Marty Beller. I don't really like the accordion in the live versions. Hmm. I I just feel like it doesn't go well with the song. Hmm. Makes it a little too smooth for you. I don't know. I um, I don't know. I feel yeah, like I mean, the, the the one thing I'm really missing is that that wah sound. That wah wah. Like it definitely just feels like more of kind of a wash uh, yeah. when you're missing all those synth tones. Yeah, it's like it doesn't feel as separated. Like with the accordion, it's just. A, it just sounds like a constant noise. Yeah, I mean, he's just kind of doing, you know, sustained chords. Not really any interesting rhythms or anything like that. Yeah. But, again, like like the banter before the next song, he talks about how uh, Flan tosses off some joke about how little they rehearsed. <laughs> so... I maybe it's something where like yeah they're just like well gotta play something up here let's do a little backing track and uh, no, 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 I'll just play the chords we gotta promote this thing at the bookstore so tell us what's the what's the lyrical change in this one that we just heard or be something more than you are you so want your own- something else something more than you are yeah I think that that continues with the fantastical aspect of the song. Like something something that you can't fathom being. Mm-hmm. More than you are. Yeah. Yeah. And then, let's see. A little less than a month later than December 10th, 2003... Uh, this is the last time 
they ever played it. Is it? it yeah. December 10th, 2003. The last ever playing of it at the Barnes & Noble in New York, New York. Mm-hmm. So I'll drop that in here. That flows out your room down the stair If you want to run as fast as a car Or be something more than you are Though it happens quite impossibly The impossible turns out to be possibly Yeah, the uh, the banter track before this song is pretty funny to see them going through like <laughs> technical difficulties. <laughs> They're like sound checking stuff and talking to the sound guy and all that. And I love that even a band of they might be giant stature after twenty years into their career still got to deal with shit like that. Yeah, yeah. makes it real. <laughs> all of these made me miss listening to their live shows. Yeah. Yeah. And like listening to Ween recently, for like the past month. I've yeah I've been yeah I've been I've been st- I've been dabbling I've been I've been trying for you to get into Ween. Yeah, there's I mean, I mean they're like they might be giants and that there's so much variety there that i've come across a lot of stuff that i like and a lot of stuff where i'm like nah pass oh what, what do you not like <laughs> um i don't know i've it's funny because it seems like people kept saying to go to pod but i i don't know i really like their first album what what is what's it called it's got some really obscene album title doesn't it god ween satan the oneness Oh, that's not that obscene. That's that's perfect. Godween Satan, yes, because it's just like so scrappy and just like I don't know. It's like that essence of punk rock, like that whole idea that like you don't know how to play your instruments, but you're still gonna <laughs> record some songs. It's got a very cool vibe. Yeah, and and I like their their country album. <laughs> Those are probably the two best ones, which don't even sound like the same band. You know, don't you um. Don't we listen to Quebec a lot? Yeah, actually, yeah. I I did enjoy that one front to back as well. Yeah, yeah I forgot about Quebec. That's a good one. Yeah, whenever um me and Kate were trying to figure out what to send you. Yeah. <laughs> we were thinking, like, oh, he would probably like White Pepper, which is like the most... I don't want to say boring, but it's like the most um, digestible album, mm-hmm. like more like straightforward rock album. Because 
you like they might be giants boring songs like ex- murder you because <laughs> you like weezer and shit <laughs> so we're like <laughs> it's not like they're my favorite band <laughs> uh he, he was like this but then i remembered that you like punk music so i was like no he, he should do my first album mm-hmm. yep and that was that was the first one i ended up listening to in full and quite enjoyed it quite enjoyed it we were talking about that whatever episode it was when we were talking to that one person and you were saying, I think the other person was saying that Ween had some scary songs. And you, like, agreed with them. And we were trying to figure out which songs they were. Like, I, I don't know. Most of that stuff off pod. I don't know. I can't. You know, I even listened to this this podcast called Band Explained, the, the Ween episode. Some guy coming on to kind of explain you know, the whole deal with Ween and there were like sound clips in there and stuff like that. And there was, yeah, there was one, I can't remember the name of the song, but I was like, does it give me the heebie jeebies? (laughs) I I definitely, you know, I appreciate them as a band for sure. You know, I'm there, you know, they do their thing, you know, it's, they, they do whatever the fuck they want. And that, that, that as a whole is very punk rock. And I appreciate that. Yeah, Kate yeah. didn't. Kate didn't like what you were saying about them, about <laughs> about them being like too druggy or whatever. I mean, they are the more druggy than might be giants. I mean, yeah, kinda. but you know, like even even if they didn't take any drugs, I feel like their music would still sound the same. Probably, but I mean, when your first album title has weed right in the name. I mean, you're you're kind of putting it all out there. <sighs> I mean, they were just like teenagers when they wrote that, anyways. Sure. Fair mm. enough. I'm Fair gonna enough. I'm gonna be seeing them next month. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So when they when they play live, do they do a, like a full smattering of their their career or do they focus on like their newer stuff? I don't know. I guess you're going to find out. Yeah. I haven't report back. I haven't, um, seen any of their live performances yet. I was kind of waiting to watch all that until afterwards. Ah, so you haven't previewed any YouTube videos. I saw like some stuff, but not like full, full performances. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know that. Um, I know that Gene used to wear like chef's hat, and he, he would wear like goggles <laughs> that are like very tight on his face, and he wouldn't be able to see out of them. So sometimes he would just not be facing the audience. <laughs> Couldn't even tell which way the audience was. <laughs> Sounds unpleasant. <laughs> it's all for their art, right? Yeah. All right. Let's get to our this this slim covers section. Oh, there one cover. One cover. You you found this one. I went searching to found came up with no others. So I think this is the only one that exists. This is uh, a guy by the name of Paul Neiman. That's P O L 
N-E-I-M-A-N. And let me just first say his accent is adorable. Yeah, he's from Argentina. Argentina. All right, I'll drop it in here. Well, they said I was impossible. Yes, they said I was impossible. And that someone who behaved like me couldn't be, couldn't be. But I knew that I was possible. Not completely profile pic with the sun studios t-shirt i have that same shirt though it's all worn out now did none of the um covers people try this one out no none of the covers people went for this i know i thought that this seems like a noah kind of jam but yeah no do it yeah no such luck so this is this is a pretty I mean it's actually a pretty faithful cover. I mean for how much stuff is going on with the keyboards in the original uh Paul here really taps into that pretty pretty thoroughly. He really listened to the song intensely. He got like Yeah. I love the all the small details and stuff. It just feels like it feels exactly like the original song but like a different mix. Yeah. Yeah, it's really almost note for note. Yeah. It is pretty impressive, honestly. I mean, just the amount of time it's taken just to find or dial in those keyboard sounds. Yeah. And I do love the fake sax in this one. It's quite good. And the Robin part, just kind kind of doing like a little mousy voice. Just, I mean, it's just really enjoy just the whole thing throughout. Very enjoyable. It's always nice to to come across someone that has never been in the cover section before. Because I, I I feel sometimes like I found every single person in the world who's ever covered They Might Be Giants. So welcome to the TMBP 
cover section. Paul Neiman. I feel like I should leave a little uh, comment on this thing to see if, if he sees it, and then because uh, I've never had I've never had anyone in South America on the show. Really? Really? I know. I know. I've tried. I've tried. So now is that fateful time in the program where we must score this song. Jesus. I know. You are required to go first. That is the law of the land on this show. So what say you? Well, I would say it is my favorite song of theirs. Just uh, all of them. Yes. So, <laughs> so that's number one, and then I haven't seen you in forever. That's number two. I I don't think that would be number two. No. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to to correct my joke from before. <laughs> I don't know what number two would be. I feel like number two would be um, you'll miss me probably. Yeah. Maybe. That's like the that's, first. Uh... Yeah, it's a good deep cut choice. It's like the first song of theirs that I feel like actually blew my mind. Yeah. Like, actually it sounded like really awesome. And I would, I would love to see like an '80s performance of that. I know. I know Flans yeah. go really all out on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. So if it's number one, it, your number one, then. Can I assume it's a 10 for you then? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, As for me, I do really enjoy this song. Uh, The message of it is really nice. And the, as a synth fiend, I just love all the tones in there. I love that we have three vocalists on it. I mean, there's just a lot of cool stuff going on in this thing. Um, I think I'm going to go 7.3 on this one, which, yeah, I mean, for something that's such a, I mean, this is a very deep cut being that it's not on a proper album. And I think more people should check out and appreciate impossible. Do you agree? Yes. Is this on, is this EP on Spotify? I don't think so. But people can find it on YouTube, so go check it out there. People can um, ask me for the files; I'll send it to them. There you go. There you go. I feel you know, like, straight. Uh, yeah. Ripped, ripped off the CD from its little sleeve in the book. Oh, I wanted to talk about something. <laughs> okay. Because in some episodes, <laughs> you're talking about. Them. Oh my goodness! Not, <laughs> what are you? <laughs> um, the escape team and my murder remains on streaming. Uh huh. So it made me think about oh why I dislike streaming services. Mm. And the, there's like two main things. The one thing is that um you need an internet connection in order to like watch it or listen to it Mm. which is not good for me because i've always had like shitty internet (laughs) and i Uh I don't want to like 
you know, watch something and have it like pause or buffer. Right. But that's really annoying. True. That's why I always, when I was a kid and now, I always pirate music. And. <laughs> but you know, you need an internet connection for that. Yeah. But it, like. <laughs> Like a few minutes or like an hour, depending on how long it takes for me to find something. Right. And then right. after that, I have it and I'm good. Yep. yep. And um, the other, the second major reason is that you don't own any of the stuff that's on there, which I feel like is yep. really stupid because then you can't like... Yeah. You can't change it, or you can't, like, move it to something else. Because one time, I I bought something off of Audible, because it was an Audible exclusive, and I wanted to listen to it. And then I downloaded it. I learned that you can only, sh- like, use that file within their, like, streaming service that's, like, specific uh, to them. Mm. And then I learned that um, they don't... They got rid of the desktop app like some time ago because mm-hmm. I, I was trying to look it up and I was like, oh, you, you got to download the desktop app. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but um, I figured it out. I have to I had to use this like sketchy thing in order to like um, to like. uh What's the word? Did you just rip it off there? Like I'm, I'm, I'm using audio hijack to record <laughs> no. your voice yeah, right um, now. <laughs> oh, convert it into a different file. Oh, okay. So I could use it on Windows Media Player or something. Windows it, Media Player. It, it just made me think about like how difficult that was to do, and yeah. how it this this would be difficult for like. like people to use if they weren't like so tech savvy i guess right yeah uh because i saw people still buy physical media <laughs> yeah i saw um i was looking it up and i seeing like um this one guy who was talking about um like helping his parents with like audiobooks and stuff and he was frustrated with audible because of mm-hmm. that exact reason. And yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's, that, that's kind of why I hate streaming. And that's why I like pirate everything or torrent stuff. I like the convenience of streaming, but I still buy plenty of stuff and still proudly yeah. display all of my physical media. So I dabble yeah. in, in both. Now, as far as the plug section go, I will say that people in the Patreon world will be receiving a sticker with Seymour's art on it from the Covers by Order uh, compilation. Uh, That cover art has been made into a 3x3 sticker, and I will be mailing those out as soon as I am not extremely busy. I was hoping to have them out already. Uh, and, and also the, uh, along with another sticker for the, um, this might book a podcast art that Owen Blaufus made. Woohoo! Yeah. So that's, that's quite a team right there. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Oh, wait, 
I want to show you something. Okay. Oh, look. It's signed. Oh. To, to, who are Jake and Emily? I don't know. I bought this off of Amazon because the listing, it said um, there are scrawled inscriptions on the front free end paper that we suspect were written by the authors, but they're frankly illegible apart from the names written in the <laughs> this book's belongs to space on the same page. So I was like, oh. Yeah, that, that flattens the yeah. signature. Is, is, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> like I read portrait. that and I thought, oh, I should buy this one to see what the writing is. Yeah, it's great. I love their signatures. Yeah. Anything you want to plug? Um... Well, I guess social media and stuff. I'm sure. on Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at Seymour Galore. I I kind of barely use any of those. I see you but, on Twitter, fair amount. Yeah, I mean, I I like stuff on there, but I don't really post that much. That's okay. Hmm. Yeah. I also have. My Neo Cities, which I changed the name to right now is your v- old school site. Yeah. Right <laughs> now it's vhsbaby.neocities.org. <laughs> I think it uh, fits me better because I collect tapes and I like toys. Which are tapes and toys. Tapes and toys, yeah. Dis- distributed by Galore Home Entertainment. Yeah. I don't have any of my tapes up on there yet. I'm gonna add like. I think now's the time. Gonna add like my tape collection, CD collection, DVD, my other tapes, which I don't have much of, because I didn't get a um cassette tape recorder until like a few months ago. Well, now you're all set and ready to go. Yes. Yes. Okay, people can find This Might Be a Podcast all over the place. This Might Be a Podcast.com. Mostly rate and review the show and subscribe and all those things that uh, people like me are supposed to say. Uh, Leave me voicemails at 224-801-2930. And I think that's about all the energy I have for talking (laughs) tonight. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on again, Seymour. It's good to talk to you. No problem. The impossible turns out to be possible.